We are so glad you joined us today on our podcast. We would love to continue to connect with you throughout the week. And to do that, you can check us out at substancechurch.com or on social media by searching at SubstanceMN or Substance Church. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. What is up, Substance? Make some noise wherever you are at. You made it. You made it to church on Palm Sunday. And if you... If we haven't met yet, uh, I'm Pastor Peter Haas. My wife and I launched this church a little over 17 years ago, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I just, I love you guys. I, we're family here, and if you need a family, we just wanna adopt you into our family. We're just so honored you're here to celebrate this Sunday. And, and of course, on the traditional church calendar, I know that we're not a very traditional church on the outset, but uh, you know, we do have, we, we believe in traditional faith, we just have this modern culture thing that we like to do as well here. Uh, new package, Unchanging Truth, has a different package here at Substance, but in the traditional church calendar, uh, Palm Sunday is, is, is kind of a special day. It's the kickoff of, of what a lot of people call Holy Week, which is the, the week before Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And so a lot of those uh, traditional dates, you know, from Good Friday, uh, those types of things, they all happen, and it really just celebrates the story. Uh, Palm Sunday celebrates the story, the passion story, where Christ comes into Jerusalem on a donkey, and it's the, it's the week that leads to his crucifixion on Friday and his resurrection on Sunday. And so, of course, in the, in the traditional story uh, that we're about to read, people of Jerusalem celebrated Christ as the Messiah, the coming king. They shouted, Hosanna. And uh, of course, you'll notice like a couple weeks back, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you, got, you all got to hear from one of my pastors, uh, Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands, and he actually taught on the Palm Sunday text a couple of weeks ago in Luke 19, but as he was teaching it, uh, honestly, church, something just exploded on the inside of me, and I, I just got a revelation from God, and I, I just, what I wanted to do was revisit that same text uh, just to make sure that you got the revelation that I, I felt like I had, and it's out of Luke 19. I'm gonna read it to you right here and now out of Luke 19, 28, and so this is what it says. After Jesus taught, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Okay, now I, I think we need to appreciate just how bizarre this is. I, I'm sure that the disciples were thinking, time out, Jesus. Hold on a second, you're basically asking me to rip off someone's donkey, and then when they confront me for ripping off their donkey, I'm supposed to just say the magic words, the Lord needs it, and then suddenly they'll be like, okay, cool. You know, it's like a Jedi mind trick. These are not the droids you are looking for. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, don't you think? I, I, yet, after three years of this stuff, I'm sure the disciples were like, you know, uh, we just don't ask questions anymore. We just do it and eventually it works out. So, okay, watch what happens in verse 32. Okay, so uh, just, just to put yourself into the shoes of the disciples, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he has told them. In other words, there's the donkey, it's tied up at the beginning of the village. 
As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. And you know, yeah, yeah, because we're, we're gonna walk away with this donkey. The Lord needs it, right? Yeah, okay, so like, I mean, how bizarre is this, okay? And then they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it, okay? Now just, just stop for a second and just think about how bizarre that is, okay? And, and of course, the account is significant because it actually fulfilled an Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey, okay? So it was a specific prophecy that was actually being fulfilled there. That was the significance of, of even uh, Luke recounting this story, which is, again, a little bit strange because kings usually don't ride donkeys, okay? So th that's also a little bit strange, but here's the coolest part, okay? So, and I, I don't want you to miss this. God gave Christ a lot of supernatural details. Go back to verse 30 for a second here. And, and it says, go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here, okay? Now, uh, in other words, there is a specific donkey of a specific age at a specific house in a specific village, Christ even knew no one has ever ridden it, okay? Like he knew the exact mileage on the car, okay? Just think about the details here, and then you're gonna have a specific conversation with the owner who will loan it to you when you say these magic words. Now, again, if you're wondering why all of this is important, well, uh, just let me just bring a couple things out of this text. First off, if God knows this much about a donkey, guess what? He knows about you too. Okay, if, are you hearing me? Some of you are like, I don't think God sees me. I don't think God knows what I'm going through. Let me tell you, you're wrong. This is a God who sees. In fact, that's actually one of his names. Genesis 16, 13 calls him el Roi, which in Hebrew translated means the God who sees. It's his name. It's his identity. It's who he revealed himself as. And so this isn't the first time that Christ had a supernatural download, also called a word of knowledge. Okay, so the, the, we call it a word of knowledge in the New Testament when God gives people a supernatural impartation of information, okay? Let me show you another passage where Christ gets a word of knowledge, except instead of just read it to you, what I decided to do is put together a little mini film uh, from the hit TV show, The Chosen. So you guys are gonna really love this. So sit back and check this out. Now, if you've never seen the hit TV show, The Chosen, you gotta watch it. I mean, I'm normally bored with anything that isn't action or comedy, and I was blown away by how well done this show was. But the premise of the show is simple. What was it really like during the ministry of Christ? And the show humorously unpacks all of the realistic drama that took place throughout the calling of the disciples. But today, I wanna focus on the story of Nathaniel. He's one of the lesser known disciples of Christ. Now, on the TV show, The Chosen, it actually gives Nathaniel a backstory of being a frustrated architect who longed to build synagogues, yet after a tragic accident, he loses his reputation. 
And biblically speaking, we're not sure that any of that is true. But what we do know for a fact is that according to the Gospel of John, before Nathaniel met Christ, he had a turning point moment under a fig tree with God. And it could have looked something like this. This was not for you. Hide your face from me. Do you see me? Do you see me? Of course, not long after this event under the fig tree, the disciple Philip begged Nathanael to consider following Christ with him. And the following clip expands on the biblical narrative out of John chapter 1, verses 46 through 51. I am truly sorry, my friend. No one was killed. It could have been worse. I could be in prison. I'm still proud of you. I've lived through you at times, you know that? Through me? Yes. <laughs> I'm living through you, man. I mean it. So what are you doing here? <laughs> I thought you were out making enemies all over the place. I'm about to make a whole lot more enemies all over the place. John sent me to someone new. Oh, you sure know how to pick him. He's not just anyone. That's what you said about the baptizer. And I was right. But this is... more. This is who the baptizer has been preparing us for. Mm. Nathaniel. He's the one. The one? But the one who Moses foretold and the prophet said would come. 
The what? The one. Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nazareth. <laughs> Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Oh, <laughs> little dump on a craggy hilltop. I'm serious. No paved roads, no public buildings. <laughs> they barely have a synagogue. You can't. You really can't. <laughs> hey, I'm just telling it like it is. Why can't I do that? Because you're mean. The families, illiterate day laborers and peasants, by the way, sleep under the same roof as their livestock. Listen to me. Honestly, Philip, saying the one is a Nazarene is practically heresy. Just come and see. What? You gonna be late for work? Wow. That's dark. <laughs> so dark. Your whole life, you've wanted to serve God. To meet the Son of God, the King of Israel. I promise you will not regret it. And if you do, I'll refund your misery. But I know you. You don't mess around. You will want to join him. He's like no rabbi who ever has been or will be. I've never seen you talk like this. I'm still hung up on the Nazareth of it all. <laughs> Come and see. Rabbi. Well, this is a good night. You know who stands beside you there? This is my friend, Nathaniel. Yes, the truth teller. I'm sorry? Man is often deceitful. And Israel began with Jacob, a bit of a deceiver, yes? Yes. But one of the great things about you is you are a true Israelite. There is no deceit. What did you say about me? What is this? How do you know me? I have known you long before Philip called you to come and see. Don't look at him, look at me. When you were in your lowest moment,
I knew it. What if that didn't take long? <laughs> he doesn't mess around. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? Huh? <laughs> you are going to see many greater things than that. Like Jacob, you are going to see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. Good. Isn't that a beautiful way to retell John chapter one? You know, church, here's what I want you to learn from that Bible story out of John chapter one. First off, um, I think it's interesting in the Bible text that Philip didn't argue with Nathaniel, he just said, come and see. Those are the words that he said to his friend. He said, come and see. He just trusted that, hey, whatever God intended to happen in, in Nathaniel's life, it was gonna happen. And I, I believe the same is true for us. Uh, right now, there's a lot of people who, uh, I really believe that are supposed to be invited to our Easter services. In fact, uh, you know, there, there's just, it's, it's incredible how many people will go to church, even for the first time on Easter or at Christmas, if they are invited by someone. And I, I just wanna encourage you just to, to, be, to be praying this week about who does the Lord want you to just say come and see to. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a relative. Every single year, people will make an invite to a relative who normally wouldn't go to church, but they'll go to church because you invited them. And I, I just wanna encourage you, just be bold about it. Don't worry about what you need to say. Just say, hey, come with me. It, it's gonna be fun. And don't worry about the outcome. You just worry about obedience and just doing the simple invite. Just keep it simple. Come and see. And I, I'm just telling you, you're gonna see some, some pretty cool transformational miracles as a result of that, th of, of that invite. Now, the second thing I wanna bring out of this passage is once again, I wanna remind you, God sees you, he sees you. You may not feel like he sees you, but listen, God not only sees you, but he knows you. It is the testimony of scripture all throughout the Old and the New Testament. The problem is not does God see you, the problem is you don't see that God sees you. There's something in our, in our sin-darkened souls that cause us to forget that God is always watching. He knows, he knows, he knows. The problem is not, does God see my problem? The problem is, we don't see that he already sees our problem and has already solved them. In fact, God has ordained a solution to our problem even before we knew we had a problem. And we gotta acknowledge that. We're, we're, we're like praying, God, don't you see that my life is falling apart? And God's up in heaven saying, don't you see that your life is actually falling together? If you could see what I see, if you could know what I know about your life, if you could just stay on the roller coaster long enough, you're gonna see I've actually ordained this to be a, a conduit of joy in your life. And if you would just trust me, no matter how it looks, that's what I believe God would be saying to you today. And I believe that God brought you to church today just to, to help remind you of that greater message that he's always working things together for the good of those that love him. 
that are called according to his purpose. But the fundamental problem I think a lot of people struggle with is that we just don't have an adequate amount of intimacy with God. And I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God, but I do believe that God wants to take you to a whole new level today. And, and guess what, there is a whole new level. There is a whole new level, and I wanna, I wanna uh, bring that out of the Bible text today, okay? So now, a lot, of people, a lot of people think that Jesus was able to receive these supernatural impartations of knowledge, these words of knowledge about donkeys or about disciples like Nathaniel. A lot of people think that Jesus was able to do that because he was God, and yes, that is in fact true. He was God, but the Bible actually says that's not why he was able to do supernatural things or get supernatural impartations from God. In fact, the Bible actually teaches that when, when, when God became man, when he became Christ, when the incarnation, when Christ came to earth, that he actually set aside his supernatural advantages when he came to earth, okay? In theology, we call it spirit Christology, okay? And let me just show it to you in scripture, okay? Philippians 2, six through eight actually teaches Although Jesus existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by, by taking on a body, by looking like other men, and by sharing in human nature. What does that mean? Sharing in human nature. This is what, this, this is what uh, theologians will debate Christology. What does it mean to share in our human nature? What did it mean by taking on the form of a slave? Uh, but he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Okay, so God became flesh. And, and Paul says in Philippians 2 that Christ actually emptied himself. What does that mean? He emptied himself of his divine advantages for a season. Well, then it begs the question, well, how then was Christ able to do supernatural things? Well, the Bible teaches it's because of the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit, remember, the, at the baptism of Christ, after the baptism of Christ is when he did his first miracle at the wedding of Cana. You see, the same Holy Spirit that empowered Christ is the same Holy Spirit that empowers us. Are you guys getting this? Okay, and that's why Jesus said in John chapter 14, hey, if you get in sync with the Holy Spirit, the advocate, which is just a fancy word, the paraclete, the, the advocate is another euphemism for the Holy Spirit. If you get in sync with that same Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you're gonna even do greater miracles than me. Because, you're, but you're gonna need to learn how to submit to the Holy Spirit, John 14. You're gonna have to learn how to take time in prayer, take time to listen. You wonder why Jesus was constantly withdrawing to lonely places to meet with his heavenly Father. What he was doing was he, he was just he was he was listening to the Holy Spirit give him supernatural insights. Okay, because think about it. How did Jesus get divine insights about the donkey? That many that many details. How did Jesus get divine insights about Nathaniel that he knew Nathaniel's prayers under a fig tree? How did he know those things? Well, I mean, my guess is this, okay? Jesus went out to pray some morning, some, he, he withdrew to a lonely place, and at some point in his prayer time, he's just, he's communing with his heavenly Father, he stops, he allows the Holy Spirit just to give impressions on his heart, details about his life, about his ministry, Holy Spirit, lead, Holy Spirit, guide me, and over time, the voice of the Holy Spirit just became increasingly clear. There's gonna be a donkey. You're gonna meet a guy with Nathan named Nathaniel who's gonna speak his mind. I mean, think about it. He, God spoke to Christ about people he did not even know in the natural. Okay, so it begs the question, 
And really, the question that you and I have to grapple with is do we have, are we modeling Christ's relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do we have that type of relationship with the Holy Spirit? And even if we do, do we actually give God the time to speak to us about that level of details? Did you know that God wants to speak to you at that level of detail? He does, he wants to give you supernatural advantages. And, and, and some of you are here today and, and you don't have that kind of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you didn't even know that God was offering that level of intimacy with you. If, listen, if that's you, just allow these scriptures to sink in, please. Call to me, God says. I mean, look at this promise. This is the promise God made to us through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. In other words, no amount of research is gonna give the revelations that God wants to give you. That's how detailed his revelations are. Revelations about your kids, about parenting, revelations about your finances, revelations about your marriage, about your coworkers, about everything. Come on, God wants to give you great and unsearchable details in your life. Or here's another one of my favorites, Psalm 25, 14, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. The Lord, think about that, the Lord confiding. That means intimate details that God knows about the earth, about creation, about everything. He confides in those who what? Fear him, fear him. It seems like a kind of a scary word, but it means to have a deep reverence, uh, an honor for God. He confides in those who fear him. And that's why the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews eleven twenty five, 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who what? Speaks. We're not serving a God who's, who's silent all the time. And yeah, there are moments in my life where I wish God would speak clearer and I just don't get any answers. But guess what? The Bible does say this is a God who speaks. This is not a God who just sits around. He wants to give you divine insights about your life. And the question is, does, is not does God want to speak? Yes, that's who he is. He's the God who speaks. He's the God who sees. The question is this, are you and I listening? The question is, do we have surrender and communion with the Holy Spirit to, to, that is conducive for that type of intimacy? Do we understand how the prophetic works? Uh, to, do, we, do we have the type of, and even if we do, do we have it to the degree that God could actually speak to you about animals? A donkey, of all things. I mean, come on, God wants to speak to you at that level? Yes. Do, do we have it where God could speak to us about people we haven't even met yet? like Nathaniel. You see, that's why the Apostle Paul said, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Why? Because this is what's gonna enable you to have the supernatural kind of life that God has intended you to live. It's gonna be the supernatural that reveals God to the world. And I, 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 could you imagine the benefits to that level of intimacy? Now, I'm not saying that God just speaks to me whatever I want in the timeline that I want it. I think that at the end of the day, God will give me the details as, as it's relevant to us, right? This is, it, it, but I, I think a lot of us, we, we want to know divine insight, but we're not even asking God for it. 
And, and that's why God is, is saying, hey, come on. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. God is wanting, he's longing to have a, a greater level of intimacy with us than I think a lot of us even realize. And if we could just open up our hearts, open up our souls to the stories that, that, uh, that reveal Christ's nature, I'm just telling you, some of you are gonna go to a whole new level. That's what God wants to do. And I, I think one of my favorite miracle stories of even the prophetic. All throughout my life, the Lord has, has gotten, I'm not even a, a, a naturally prophetic person. I'm kind of an intellectual skeptic. I'm the guy who will doubt every impression. You know what I'm saying? And, and some of you are like, well, how do you know if it's from God or not? Well, uh, that's why Romans 12 says, if a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Okay, so there's a faith element. The, the truth is, how do you know if God is just you know speaking to you or just giving you a, a thought in your head? I, when God speaks to me, it's not an audible voice, okay? It's just an impression on my heart. Well, Pastor Peter, how do you know if that impression is not just your overactive imagination? I don't. That's why we judge prophetic according to God's word, because some of us are gonna have some weird ideas. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so if God calls you to kill your neighbor, don't do it. You know what I'm saying? Because the Bible also says do not kill, right? So you get the idea. You judge all impressions according to scripture, and I'm gonna unpack ways to do this in a safe way where you don't become cultic or weird or spooky and those types of things, and some of you are gonna get there anyway. Anyway, but I'm just saying, you know, at the end of the day, there are safeguards. That's why the, the, the Bible uh, grounds this in Scripture. You judge it according to Scripture. But, but, but over the years, I've learned how to listen to that still, small voice, that, that the, the Holy Spirit speaking to my conscience, little divine nudges. And let me give you an example of, of, of modern-day prophetic. One of my favorite stories is about a, a dude by the name of Barkley Tate. He was camping in Front Royal, Virginia back in 1977. Um, and he met a hiker by the name of Dave, and so Barkley meets Dave at this, this campsite, at this campground, and both Dave and Barkley happened to be believers, which somehow came up in their conversation that, that they were both Christians. I don't know how, but uh, somehow it became apparent in the conversation they were both believers, and, and Dave happened to mention that uh, when he's hiking, he loves to just pray for people. It's kind of a, his thing. He loves to go on prayer walks and prayer hikes, and so he asked Barkley, hey, Barkley, is there anything I could just pray for you while I'm hiking today? And of course, Barkley was like, you know, yeah, actually, honestly, you know what I need prayer for is, is I would love to be married someday. I would love to be married, and so why don't you just pray that, that um, God would hook me up with God's choice for me. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that God would divinely set apart this person. And so Dave takes out his prayer journal from his backpack and he writes down, okay, Barkley Tate wants God's choice for his spouse. God's choice for his spouse. And they both said, hey, nice to meet you. And Dave walked off and, and that was pretty much the end of it. They just, you know, they hadn't seen each other anymore after that. It was a short conversation. Well, get this, 11 years later, Okay, so fast forward, 11 years. Now, 11 years is kind of a long period of time, wouldn't you say? 11 years later, Barkley, and this time, Barkley and his new wife moved to Asheville, North Carolina. Okay, so Barkley eventually found a, a spouse and they moved to North Carolina. And immediately after arriving in North Carolina, they got an invite to go to a Bible study and this Bible study was at a professor's house. There was a professor who worked at the University of North Carolina who would host a Bible study. And, this, and so they got an invite to go to this professor's house. Well, after they walked up to the house and they knocked on the door and, the, and suddenly the door opens and the host suddenly exclaims, 
Barkley Tate, is that you? Do you remember me? Do you, like way back in the day, 11 years, 11 years ago, and then immediately the, the host of the house welcomes him in, runs upstairs, and, and leaving Barkley and his wife a little bit puzzled, like what in the world? And he came down with a prayer journal, and he goes, you remember me? You and I met at Front Royal, Virginia? And, and he goes, he opens up the prayer journal, and he goes, see right here? See in my prayer journal? Um, and then he, he reminded him, remember back when we met Front Royal, Virginia, 1977, I wrote here, Barkley Tate is wanting God's choice for his wife. And, and Barkley, all of a sudden, it just like jogged his memory like, oh my gosh, he looked at the journal, he saw his name written right there in the journal. In fact, the journal was probably the most detailed prayer journal and methodical prayer journal that he had ever seen. And Dave said, Barkley, I prayed seven years for you, prayed seven years, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, on December 30th, 1984, God just woke me up out of a sound sleep and said, Dave, write in your journal, prayer answered, next to Barkley Tate. <laughs> and, and of course, Barkley, and, and he goes, see, I did. I, I, I said, prayer answered, and he goes, I don't even know what happened on December 30th, but, and of course, Barkley and Sherry had this like shocked look on their face because, get this, that was the exact night that Barkley and Sherry got married, it was their anniversary. Okay, and God just woke this dude up in the middle of the night. So, uh, you know, I share that story, so listen up, single people. If you're wondering if God cares about your spouse, he does. Some of you are like, praise the Lord, I came to church just for that. If you're wondering if God still speaks, the answer is he does, loved ones. Come on, and sometimes it's not even critical stuff. Are you hearing me? I mean, for all practical purposes, God did not need to speak to a, a, a guy named Dave about some random dude. He, God didn't need to wake that guy up in the middle of the night just to say prayer answer, but he did, he did. You see, in a similar way, God wants to speak to you and I about all sorts of things. And, I, and you guys, church, this next week on Easter Sunday, I'm gonna hit God's plan for intimacy from a whole new angle. And it's gonna be perfect also for your friends and your neighbors. I, I wanna talk about God's plan for intimacy with us and, and how you and I can have that kind of restored relationship with God, how we can actually have a, an interaction with God that's on a whole nother level. God doesn't want you just going to a church service. He wants you to have a relationship with his word, with his church, and with his spirit. And I'm gonna unpack how to have a relationship with all three of those things this coming week, and you guys are gonna love this. We're gonna take this to new places we haven't gone before, and, and I'm gonna share stories with you that I just think are gonna warm your heart and give you a, a sense of wonder when it comes to your relationship with God. But uh, today what we're gonna be doing is, is I just wanna end in a simple moment of prayer, and I just really believe that today the, 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 the call is simple. I just want you to be open to that next level. I want you to have a spirit of anticipation about that next level, and I want you to tell your friends and family to come and see so that they can go with you, because where God wants to take you, it's not just for you, it's for your friends, it's for your neighbors, it's for your family. And so right now, would you just close your eyes, would you just bow your heads and just ask God the question, hey, what is it, God, what do you wanna speak to me about today? And maybe right here and now God would speak to you about people that he wants you to invite. Maybe, maybe God will just give you divine nudges about maybe some little adjustments, some little tweaks in your lifestyle that are all of a sudden gonna have huge dividends in your life. Right now, Lord, your word says, see to it that we do not refuse you 
who speaks. I pray that you would speak to us about just little adjustments, little decisions that we can make that would just cause us to take a step closer to you. And maybe it's not even for us, it's for our kids, it's for our family members, but Lord, we just wanna, we wanna get in sync with you, Lord. We wanna have supernatural advantages in this life. Lord, this life is hard enough as it is, and yet you have a path of grace that will not only bring about fullness of joy in our own lives, but will bring about joy in everyone around us. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. And church, if you're liking this prayer that I'm praying, then just repeat this after me. Just say this. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me, renew me, and lead me. Starting today and for the rest of my life, in Jesus' name, we pray. If you agree with that prayer, say amen at all of our campuses. Amen. Now, with all that said, we're gonna have our campus pastors come on up and tell us where we're gonna go next. We're gonna have communion today, and I'm just telling you, this is gonna be a miracle Sunday for you and me. Amen? We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you would like to contribute to Substance financially, you can do so by visiting substancechurch.com slash giving and then select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening and be sure to check in next week for a new message.